When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. This is also, I think, by, is this a sketch by Doré or maybe one of his uh, pupils? Do you, I, wanna, I, I, I learned something this morning I've never heard before, and I've forgotten the name of the contraption. But do you see how uh, realistically the muscles and the faces and so forth are here? There was an ancient technique that even Rembrandt and da Vinci used that died out when photography started. That's just now being re-energized. I want to talk to Jason about this. I don't think he knows about it or he doesn't know how to get a hold of him. They used to have a device, and even back in the 15th century, that would clamp onto a tabletop. And there was just a, a, a bar that would come up with little screws to adjust the height and things. And it would come over to nothing more than a prism, a very uniquely cut prism. And an artist would look down at his paper where he's drawing, and the prism would shoot the image of the person he was drawing into his eye on the paper. And so with, with, with no projection, or just a prism, he would see the, 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 the person, the face, on his paper as he looked into this little piece of cut glass, you know, clamped to the table. And in ancient times, they probably cost uh, a person the equivalent of about 150 bucks. Um, today, I'm aware, because I looked it up, um, you can buy one on eBay for about double that, but they're all ancient artifacts, $300, $400 artifacts. But there's a company today that's getting into building them again with like a little gooseneck thing, and, but they still cost about $150. Bucks. It's, that's just about the prices. But it's, there's no, it doesn't plug in, and it's light. It's, it weighs less than 10 pounds. You know, it's something you could carry in your backpack and take with you somewhere. But, but that's how these artists did a lot of their realism. And I know that there are art teachers who would gasp and say, no, they had a perfect knowledge of anatomy. No, they, a lot of them didn't. But they had a little cheater. Like, uh, you know, like holding up a piece of tracing paper to a TV set and drawing, you know, what's on there. Which my, what my brother did to football helmets when we were kids. Joseph took the body down, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and laid it in his own new tomb that he had cut in the rock. Why did Joseph not buy a new tomb for Jesus? It wasn't time. Might not have been anybody who would sell him one. Also, you know, it's expensive, and he already had one right there. So he just... We'll just use that one. So a new tomb he had cut in the rock. This is an excellent photograph of an actual tomb in that area. Um, in fact, it's one of, I'm going to call them the three. And no, I don't have pictures of all three. But this is one of the three that people suspect may actually have been the tomb. Only because it dates back far enough and it's in the right area, but could have been one. So the stone rolls in a track. Um, how does this match up with our tomb, John? <laughs> it's pretty close, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, I think the, uh, the door is lower than ours. Yes. And, and it, uh, the door is wider than ours. But uh, yeah, but he rolled a large stone over the tomb's entrance and left. When we close a grave, uh, what do we use in our culture? When we close a grave. That's the technical term for putting dirt over it. Opening a grave is the technical term for digging. Closing a grave is a technical term for filling it back in um, and so forth. Um, and, but we use dirt, don't we? Because we naturally expect that we probably will not open that grave again, right? Unless there's ex- extreme circumstances, sometimes in a murder case or something, they'll open it up. Or if somebody wants to be moved, like when they moved Lincoln, you know what else they did when they moved Lincoln? They opened the casket and they took pictures. I, I wish that my parents, when we visited Lincoln's tomb, I wish my mom wouldn't have said, come and look at the pictures. Because I didn't want to see that. I still don't want to have seen that. You know, so um, you learn about parenting. But uh, yes. Actually, most of the robbers were probably just thrown into a ditch. Have you seen Amadeus? The life story of Mozart? You know what grave he was buried in? Well, it's a trench. We do know that it was a pauper's grave, and so there were 40 other people in that grave. And they throw the body in and throw a shovel full of lime on top, and that's it. That was the funeral. Because um, Mozart b- died in poverty, uh, and uh, so yeah, there are those kind of graves in, Ge- in in Gehinnom, and but that would be on the southern end of the city where the trash piles burned forever, um, which is why Jesus uses Gehenna as an image of hell because it was always on fire. It's like there was a constant tire fire on on the southern end of Jerusalem all the time, and why the southern end? I think because the prevailing winds sent all that smoke down to Edom rather than up into the city. You know, you, usually you think before you start a big fire like that, especially one that's going to last for decades. Um, so, but why did they close their tomb with a stone, a rolling stone? Well, for, for one thing, to, to have it sealed. Another thing? Yeah, because they're going to keep using it. This grave is going to get used again and again and again and again and again. The term, the Old Testament term, buried with his ancestors, means that I get buried on that slab and then they roll the stone. A year later, my brother dies, they open the tomb and they push me behind the slab into the hole and they put my brother there. And then two years later, our cousin dies they open the thing again and push my brother's bones into mine. He's gathered into his ancestor. And on and on and on and on and on. And the thing eventually fills up, although in nobody's lifetime would it fill up. Um, and then that's just what they did. Uh, uh, so it was, used, um, it was used over and over and over again. Usually not sealed. They sealed Jesus' tomb only because they were kind of being jerks about it. And wanted to make sure nobody opened it, right? Didn't make any difference, but that's what he does.
By the way, the, uh, there was one detail, though. If we go back, uh, oh, now what have I done? It's not your issue, it's mine. His own new tomb. It's a minor point, but is it significant that it was a new tomb? What? Why? Yeah, I, I, I think that that's right. When the resurrection happened, they couldn't say, well, I don't know who rose from the dead. It could have been, you know, what if that was Bob? And I said, well, no, it was Jesus, because only Jesus had been buried there. So, how lovely. Sixty-one, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. So the women saw, they noticed the place, they knew where he had been buried, um, and they knew where to go when the time came, because the time was going to come when they were going to have to go themselves. Is that a signal telling you to do something, Larry? I can't shut this stupid thing off. <laughs> okay. ask, ask Hillary how to do it. <laughs> On the... On the, on the next day, which was the first day after the preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered in the presence of Pilate and said, before I read what they said, I want to go back to something I said earlier. This day, verse 62, I'll, I'll just give you the, the usual order of things. Preparation day was always what they called the day before the Sabbath. So what's the day after the preparation day? The Sabbath. Matthew stops calling it the Sabbath. Why? It's no longer the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was now fulfilled. When the, by the time Matthew wrote this, they didn't treat Saturday as the Sabbath day anymore. They had moved. We, we read it in Revelation. John tells us, when had they moved the Sabbath day to? Sunday. Sunday, the first day of the week, the day of the resurrection. So Matthew does not even bother to call this the Sabbath day. The next day is Easter Sunday, and Matthew isn't going isn't gonna, to... So it, it's a roundabout way of saying this, but it's an amazing little hint about how they were thinking through these things in the years following the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension, that the apostles now are just saying, well, so the Jews now have preparation day and they have what I'm going to call the day after preparation day and then it's our Sabbath day and then it's our Sunday after that. So um, it's also about the time and I, I don't have anything else to offer for this that the practice of the two-day weekend begins to show up. Jews are taking Saturday off. Christians are taking Sundays off. And the Romans had, had often said it'd be pretty good to have a five-day work week. We just didn't, they just didn't have a, it wasn't a big deal about which days to take off. Could it have been Friday and Saturday? You know, for example, sure. But now they got two different denominations saying, I want this day and this day. And so I think, I think, that the Roman Empire gave up and said, okay, Saturday and Sunday is the weekend. Um, I haven't found anything else to contradict that, but if I do, I'll 
probably let you know at some dumb time like this when I should be talking about something else. So let's move on. Alan, you got to... In, in, in the East, there wasn't a feeling of taking a day off. They were, it was more like holidays. You would, you would take a couple days off in a month, but not so much a, a week. That's so, like in China and India and places like that. It was a different, different culture, different ways of doing things. Yeah. When my son Peter replaces me here, you can ask him all kinds of things about Oriental cultures and he will tell you everything. Yeah. All right, 63. They said, Sir, we remember that what that deceiver said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise again. Well, now they finally get the, the thing right. Before they were saying, oh, he said in three days, I'll rebuild the temple. Now they, now they admit they knew what he meant. After three days, I will rise again. So, he, so give a command. They're asking Pilate this. Give a command that the tomb be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples might steal his body and tell people he's risen from the dead. Actually, is that such a bad precaution on their part? I, that kind of makes sense to me. You know, go ahead. Um, and... Uh, uh, and this last deception will be worse than the first. What's the last deception? Well, it's this one, right, that he's risen. But what would have been the first deception? That he's the son of God or what have you. Yeah, and then he proves it by rising from the dead. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. And uh, that... The, the other Gospels tell us that he's not just saying, like, the guard is yours, like, you have your own guards, but that, yes, I'll give you a guard. That's what he's saying. Yep, you'll have a guard. Go and make it as secure as you know how. So Pilate doesn't tell him what to do, but he gives them permission to do whatever it is. Um, so they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and posting a guard. So how did they seal the stone? You have an impression of this from your earlier years? Wax. I, you think wax? I kind of do. You know, I, I can't think of anything else they would have done. Whose seal would have gone on it? Maybe the, the sergeant on duty, the, the, the centurion that they got. Or maybe a high priest or something, or, or a priest or, or whoever it was. Whatever it might have been, that they, but they did do something here. They did um, secure the tomb, seal the stone, posted the guard. Um, and then, and I think, yeah, I did. I kept going with questions and comments, and I have things in my head, but I don't have any slides. So I'm going to have to read. Is that okay? Okay. Matthew 28. I have, it's on the bottom of your sheet there. Matthew 28, 1 and 2. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. So now Matthew comes back and he says Sabbath again because they were treating it that way, the women who were going. Why hadn't they gone to the tomb earlier? Why, why not? 
Yeah, they weren't supposed to perform labor on the Sabbath. And I'm not sure that anointing a dead body would count as difficult physical labor, but what would count as physical labor? Opening the tomb. Yeah, rolling the stone away. That would be the labor. With regard to carrying the spices, we're only talking about a few yards outside the city. That wouldn't have counted. It wouldn't have made any difference. And the, and the anointing of the body, that's um, not all that much different than dressing an animal for, you know, to make a meal or something. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. But that was... Um, to be unclean is not a, it's not, um, to become ceremonially unclean because one touches, touches a corpse is not a sin. In fact, it's inevitable that you're going to end up coming into contact with a dead body. Um, but uh, there was a purification for it. You weren't supposed to go, you know, to make a sacrifice, for example, but you could go home. You know, and, they, and, and to cleanse after that is simply a matter of washing your clothes, washing your body, and you know, take a bath and change your clothes. And then, and then, and then um, in the morning then, um, after, the, after the sun comes up, then you're ceremonially unclean. But it was, it's in the same category as a, as a couple having sex or a woman having a, um, a baby, although there was an interval in, with having a baby, wasn't there? Um, but there are a couple of other things where they, it's just part of life and it's ceremonially unclean but there's just there's nothing to pay there's just a matter of wash wash and change yeah um so mary magdalene and oh yeah the other mary matthew says who would that have been well i don't think matthew would call mary the mother of jesus the other mary so i think this other mary would be this we think that she would be Mary's sister, the aunt. That would make James and John. No, that's, that's Salome now. That, that's the aunt. This is the other Mary who's the, the wife of Clopas, whose sons are oh, James and the other one, right? What does it say on the sheet? Do you have it there? James and Joseph, yeah. James and Joseph, yeah. So, so um, uh, uh, this is that Mary, evidently. And uh, they go to look at the tomb. They, I've, I've been curious about this, and every time I bring it up uh, in, a, in a Bible study, the women usually have the same answer. So I'm going to ask you ladies, if you're going to, let's go back to the slide of what it looked like. If you're heading there, Easter Sunday morning with your bag of spices and things, and that stone is rolled in front of the tomb, how are you going to roll it away? Well, but the thing is, the guard is there to prevent people. So, so even if they call for help, are they hoping it'll be a battle? The guard is posted to keep people from rolling the stone away. What were they thinking? I, I mean, what, wouldn't the gardener be prevented from doing it too? I don't know. Would they, would they hope to sweet talk the soldier like, we're all, sugar, we're only here to anoint the body. 
You sit down with a nice cup of cold water. Maybe I'll bring a beer. Here's some wine. And we're just going to anoint. You can watch the whole thing. When we're done, you can roll the stone away. You can put the thing. I have no idea what, 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 what they were thinking, if they thought they were going to talk their way in. Um, uh, uh, what's the line in the... No, I'm, I won't quote this song. But anyway, <laughs> the, but, uh, the, uh, but they went. And they go uh, because they, they're, they're not going expecting that he'll be risen. So they're going out of what? Emotion. Yeah, what's the emotion? They're going out of love. They're going out of love. They haven't thought it through. Who thinks through things like this? When they're, when they're going. They just figured we got to do it, so we got to go. If we don't go, it'll never get done. So they get the stuff and they figure, we'll figure it out when we get there. That's maybe a difference between men and women. That a man sits here at home and says, well, how would you do it? You know, I mean, I'm making, I've, I've, I've drawn my sketches, I've, I've sharpened my sword, and I've decided maybe it would be wiser to watch football. And a woman says, it's not going to get done if I don't even try. So she gets up her stuff and she goes. And is that what we have here? That, but just doing it out of love? Well, that's what they do. They go there out of love. And verse 2 begins, there was a violent earthquake. So are they on the way? Getting ready or whatever? But as they're going, ground starts to shake. It trembles, people are falling down. And this then, I think, is where we go back to what we had at the very beginning of our passages today. Was that 52? Where the graves were opened and other people are starting to come out of the graves. Is Jesus in this tomb? He's already out. The, the, the stone is not even rolled away yet. He's gone. The stone will be rolled away by whom? An angel. Yeah. And that's the angel who gets to sit on top of that stone and say to everybody, he is risen and I got to tell you. God bless you all. Have a good day today. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.